Hello and welcome to my very first podcast. For those of you listening who don't already know me, my name is Megan and I have a lot of opinions. So let's go ahead and get right into it, shall we? Today I kind of want to talk about what you're good at and what people think you're good at. A couple days ago, I shared a Facebook post that says, ask people what they think you're good at. The answers will surprise you very much. So what am I good at? And I got a lot of really positive responses from my friends. Um, I got a friend that said, loving people that you've chosen as family, being loyal, creating family around you, and not just pretty picture family, but stick through tough times family too, taking care of everyone. But the one that really got me was my beautiful friend Jess said, I think you're great at making people believe in themselves. And you're also great with generosity. So I want to talk about generosity for a moment. I grew up in a house. Uh, My grandmother is an extremely generous person. She will make you cookies and bring things for your bake sales and do all the things a typical Southern grandmother would do. So I was raised to do for others. So after I moved away from Texas and I moved to New York and I joined a church, I started to really kind of come to terms as to what generosity means for me. And for my family, for myself and my husband, we don't always have a lot of money. So we have found that being generous with our time and our space and hosting and cooking dinners and allowing friends from other countries to come live with us is in and of itself a way for us to be generous without being financially generous. Even though when we can, we try to make sure that we're supporting our friends' business endeavors. Um... Irrational generosity really kind of means a lot of different things for my family, Um, but it also kind of ties into the making people believe in themselves and, you know, loving people as chosen family, even through the tough times. So um, a little bit about me. I have zero relationship with my parents. My grandmother and my little sister, my grandfather, that's my family. And so I've really kind of had to create a family for myself with my friends and their families. And bro, I have had the best luck. My family, my chosen family is beautiful and it is diverse. And these are, these humans are just so loving in their own ways. I have, you know, all different walks of life. I have people who are, you know, freelancers and they own businesses and they are doing all of these beautiful, brilliant things. And I am fortunate enough to be along for their journeys as well as my own. And I just think there's something so beautiful in a created family. You know, you get this this beautiful mix of all of these different personalities and talents and giftings, and you kind of really get to watch them develop and unfold over the years. And recently I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and we were talking about length of friendships and they thought it was extremely awkward that a majority of my friendships, like my very close chosen friendships, 
we've been friends for, you know, a decade or longer. Um, And don't get me wrong, the length of time that we've been friends has no impact on how much of my love I give to you. And I think that there are so many other people out there like that, right? And it just kind of comes down to putting the work in. You get out of relationships what you put in. And a lot of times it's a little less. You get out of a relationship less than what you put in. But there are people out there who are still deserving of that work. And a really good friend of mine and I were talking about gifts and how it's a gift to be able to create family that lasts. And it's a gift to love on people. And I have a very, very dear friend of mine who speaks a lot of life into me and speaks very beautifully over my life. And she talks a lot about how I have a really large capacity for love. Um, But that can be to my detriment as well. You know, it's hard for people like myself who are empaths, who are Enneagram type twos, if you want to go there, who are the mom friend, however you want to label, however you want to identify it. There's something so beautiful about those people. Um, But it's also a little detrimental because they focus on other people's problems, their addictions, their hurt. You know, they want to take care of them. They want to fix them. And they allow themselves, myself included, to become very focused on other people. And they don't really take the time to do that self-work and that self-care and that self, you know, love. And it's, it's kind of sad. I know it's a, It's a lot of burnout for me when I have to deal with kind of making the boundary of, okay, I love you so much and I see the pain, I see the hurt, but I need to take time for myself. I do have a really good friend, Cameron, who is phenomenal at the line, the boundary. Boundaries, I don't have them. Yeah, no, they're they're not a thing for me, fam. Um, I will take care of other people's problems all day long if it means getting to avoid my own. (laughs) And I feel like a lot of people are that way. I feel like we are in a culture and in a time where empathy is lacking. You know, there are a lot of people who think that compassion is reserved for immediate family and friends. Like, Take, for example, the Black Lives Matter movement. There are so many people who are, quote, Christians or who have a, quote, relationship with Jesus who respond to the simple statement of Black Lives Matter with All Lives Matter. Anyone with a brain cell knows that All Lives Matter, but right now there are black people, black Americans who are being killed by the people that are supposed to protect and serve our communities. And that's what we're trying to draw attention to. And there are a lot of just, you know, there's a lot of back and forth about it. There, I, you know, I support Black Lives Matter, but I don't support the rioting and the looting and all this. And you know what? 
I don't think that people are really taking the time to listen to the words of Black Americans, especially white people. I myself am a white person. And let me tell you, y'all talk too much. We all talk too much. And right now is really the time where we really just need to shut up. We need to shut up and listen to what's being said and what our families and our friends are are saying because they're hurting. This is a whole community of people, a beautiful, eclectic culture that has been torn to the ground and built back up over centuries. They're hurting. And I think that as an empath and as a type two and as somebody who frequently wants to fix, um, I'm really having to find the line of how can I listen and help while also realizing that this is not something I'm going to be able to fix because I am one person. And I think that a lot of the issue that white allies have is they always want to show that they're being allies. And I think that the strongest thing as a white person, and please feel free, all of my friends of color, please, you know, feel free to comment on this. I think the strongest thing that a white person can do to really be an ally is check in and listen without being like, well, why don't you do this? Like, just listen, be like, I'm so sorry you're hurting please tell me how I can help you. Is there something specific I can do? Do you need anything? Send money, buy from their businesses, support small local owned black businesses, support black banks, support black entertainment. You know, there are so many things that white people should have already been doing that we don't. And I think that just showing up on social media, sharing a couple posts, that's not going to do anything, right? So as a two, as an empath, and if you are an empath like I am, if you feel like what you're seeing and what you're exposed to on social media is hurting and you're, you're hurting and you feel like you can take a break, acknowledge your privilege in that. You can step aside and you can turn off social media and you can say, I need a break from this. But the reality of it is that in and of itself is white privilege, right? We're able to take a step back and we're able to take a break, but black people don't get a break get a break from being black, right? They these experiences happen to them whether or not they're tired, whether or not they're, you know, burnout, whether or not anything in their life is overwhelming they still have to live a black experience, right? So all that to say that if you have a gift in creating family, make sure that in that family, you're doing your best to make sure that all of the people that you've chosen as your family are really getting the same kind of love and support. And that includes, you know, your friends of color, your indigenous friends, your Latin friends, your, you know, your black friends, any of them, they all have different needs, especially since they're all people of color. They're all minorities. They all have different community needs and there's different ways to support them. And I think that taking that time to do that work and to find out what your people within your reach specifically need is going to go a long way in helping to build that camaraderie, that 
community, that family. And really, at the end of the day, that's what's important, right? Is that you feel supported. Anybody. You feel supported. You feel uplifted. You feel like you have a place to turn to. That's what's important. Especially in a time where quarantine has us feeling so disconnected. You have to put the work in to stay in community. And moving on from all of that, I want to talk about the gift of, you know, creating family a little bit more and how the biggest obstacle I've really had to face with building family is discernment um, and kind of bringing my own personal feelings and the red flags and kind of seeing like, okay, is this a person I need to keep at an arm's length or is this somebody I can invite into my circle? Is this somebody who is using my empathy? Is this a person who is using my, um, my love and my kindness? Is this person, everybody is worthy of your time, but is this person worth all of the mental energy that I will give to another person that I'm close to who is also there for me? Is this person going to benefit me? And if not, how am I going to kindly, politely, lovingly tell them, hey, this is not a good space for me and I need to kind of step back? I think that that's been one of my hardest challenges. And a lot of times it's um, it's people with addiction that have really kind of taken advantage of my kindness and going back to putting work in that's been the hardest thing for me is having to work to be irrationally generous and extremely kind because there is a difference between niceness and genuine kindness and my goal in my heart is to be genuinely kind and that takes a lot of internal work and a lot of self-reflection and a lot of you know looking at interactions with people how could I have done this differently how could I have been kinder how could I have given them more grace how could I have been more patient with them and once again it comes into putting in the work now, these are gifts, and I I will probably talk a lot about gifts and talents in the future, but building a community, having a beautiful family that you've created, you know, pouring into people, loving on people, this is a gift. And some people don't have that specific gifting, and that's okay. I was having a conversation with another friend of mine recently about you know, community and loving. And I think I mentioned to her that I was having a really hard time transitioning in our move to Florida. And I think a lot of that is because I don't really have a community here yet. It's slowly but surely building, but it's still in the very, very early stage. It's very much in the um, superficial friendship stage. And I don't necessarily like that, Um, but it's getting there. And patience is not my virtue. I am 
a millennial. I am part of the I want it now, you know, generation, anything, you know, two hour delivery on Amazon. That's my thing. You know, that that's where that's where I'm at. So I was talking to her and I, I don't know. I just, this move has made me very, very grateful for constants, like specific friends, my friend DJ, my friend Philip, my friend Ben, my friend Alfonso. And, and it's hard when I'm already someone who admittedly will put far more into a majority of my friendships than I get out of them. And normally that's not a problem, but between quarantine and moving, it's been harder and harder to keep the intentional community. And I'm a very intentional person. And what I've had to really come to realize is that other people aren't, and that's okay. I don't need text back validation and I don't need people to check in on me. But honestly, I'll admit that there's times where I wish that I wasn't the intentional one. I do sometimes wish that, you know, people were the ones checking in on me, being like, hey, how are you? How's your day? Oh, hey, I love you. Hey, I love you. You know, every day I have a reminder set in my phone, and this goes back to putting the work in. I have reminders set in my phone to text 10 people today. Why don't you write letters to six people today, you know, and make sure that they understand that there is at least one person out there who loves them without restraint, without condition, loves them, right? And I guess the point of this first podcast was to not only talk a little bit about who I am, but to also kind of make you think about who you are and how other people see you. There was a question posed at my church two weeks ago by Pastor Robbie um, talking about in their Bridge Over Troubled Water series at Shoreline Church Destin, right? And they were talking about racism in America. And Robbie is a, a beautiful, beautiful woman of color. And they posed a couple questions about um how you come off to people and really it kind of got to me right like are you willing to evaluate your worldview and your truth through the filter of your faith rather than create a version of faith that supports your worldview with your truth and the one that really got me was how do people who don't look like you experience you and how should people who don't look like you experience you and to take it a step further it's not even to me it's not just how do people who don't look like you experience you but how do anybody how does anybody experience you how do you come off to any people because if you just come off nice to people who do look like you it's a problem but if you're not coming off kind or generous to anybody that's an even bigger problem in my opinion and it's just it's crazy to me that there are so many people in this world who go through it without ever considering how they look to other people and it's not a I don't care how people view me but it's a 
I don't know. It's just a very selfish way. And even as a millennial, even as someone who wants things when I want it, I just could never imagine being that selfish that I don't care about people. I don't care about, you know, the well-being of people who don't look like me or who are impoverished or who are disenfranchised or whatever the case may be. I just could never fathom getting to a point in my life where I don't care about those things, you know? And man, it's just a lot to think about, right? So, so I'm going to end this off tonight because I have talked a lot and I just want to encourage you to reach out to the people you love and your created family and kind of just talk to them, catch up, check in on them. I'm sure there's somebody you love that you haven't talked to in a while. And I also want to encourage those of you who, like me, are estranged from your families that if you don't talk to your family because they're toxic or they're abusive or they are, you know, not good for you, I really hope that you find some comfort in knowing that that's okay. I hope you find peace knowing that your mental health and your love and your time should not be compromised just because someone gave birth to you. If somebody was emotionally or sexually or physically or mentally abusive to you and you made the very strong choice to leave, that that's a big step and that's worth something. That's no small thing. And I hope you know that coming from someone who may not even know you, that you're loved and you're special and you're beautiful. And if you needed a sign to stay alive, I hope that this is it for you because you're wanted and you're loved. And I'll see you next week.